can check us out on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our social media on Instagram at Menovation and Facebook at Menovation Podcast. Menovation. <laughs> I always thought that needed a little girl's uh, a female voice yeah. at the beginning. Maybe. I'm surprised we got that intro music <laughs> at such a high pitch with all of us dudes singing. It's impressive. I can hear your voice. Your children picked you out of the oh, crowd really? real easily. <laughs> Um, welcome to episode 63 of Menovation. Um, I'm Amy. I'm sitting here with Ben. And we are doing a one-on-one yeah. podcast asking questions relating to all the things that men, men, all the manly things. Mm-hmm. So this is part two for us. We actually did part one. John, let us stick around for part two. Um, whether you hear the part two or not is yet to be told because we'll see what comes out of the mouths of all of us. But go back and listen to episode 62. Yes, episode 62 yeah. where we finished with Ben really just anxiously wanting to share. We shared a little bit about um, our my final question to Ben was how he felt that we've navigated this 14 years of marriage. Right. We've been married 14 years um, how he felt we navigated it. He gave us a passing grade, so that's good. Um, <laughs> we can still go home and sleep in the same bed tonight. So, <laughs> but true up and ups and downs, and we were talking about a little yeah. bit, I said, I feel like not even just, I feel like you have marriage where you're getting used to um, living with someone of the opposite gender in general right. and just marriage in general. But we went ahead and Gave it another little spin and another kick by obviously marrying into separate cultures. Although Ben has been in the U.S. longer than he lived in India now, (laughs) um, his family is obviously very Indian and Mm -hmm. he to the core is very Indian, um, but very Americanized. Uh, My family is very obviously very American, very white American from... Redneck. Farmers. (laughs) More so hillbillies. More so hillbillies and rednecks. We're from the hills of Tennessee. Um, but, and yes, there's a difference. Just ask someone if you're curious yeah, about the difference. The difference. Yeah. Well, it, th- my easy answer is always, I say, he'll believe <laughs> my family's going to cut me. <laughs> like, <laughs> but <laughs> while we are not this, typically hillbillies are the uneducated. Rednecks are the idiots. Like rednecks are the, the idiot Drinkers, trash talkers, burning up the streets okay, in a so pickup truck. Okay, so half your family is that, and the other half is hillbillies. Hillbillies are <laughs> more of just backwoods farmers, live off so the what land, are the simple that people. Vote Democrats in all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. Yep, I can't even deny all of the above. I remember when I was eighteen, and I was like, I wonder who I'm going to vote for. My grandmother's like, We always vote Democrat, and I was like. I'm sorry, what? Come again? Like, so we had a family meeting and we all discussed what we were all, this is like the Hatfield and McCoys or something over here. Like, we're McCoys. We always vote. No, no, I'm going to vote the person who I think is going to be great. Right. And I'm. And then I made a mental note. Do not tell my grandmother ever who I voted for. Do not even bring it up. All right. And very quickly, politics is not something you discuss at the table um, unless you live at our house because Mr. Thomas over here will. There's very few in your family that. Like are on of the same political belief system that we are. Mm. Very few. Yeah, I think that would be 
that could be a, an honest assessment. Yeah. At the same time, I don't know because we don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I talked to a few of them about it. <laughs> yeah. The few that are of the same mindset, you know, because they've messaged you after right. all of your posting. Um, those that have never said anything, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Yep. Um, definitely of, of a culture where you just don't say much. Right. In a sense. Maybe that's changing now because everybody's talking about it a bit now. Um, but yeah, so Ben was really, um, you felt something really that you wanted to share well, no, so about you were blending into about, cultures. You were talking about <laughs> trying to navigate Tennessee and New York and, and India. Indian and hillbilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the cultural differences are <laughs> so vast. Ben grew up um, in the U.S. However, I grew up in the U.S. Uh, <laughs> however, I grew up with, in a strict, ultra conservative, Pentecostal Indian, almost like yeah. It was it was all legalistic mm. Pentecostal Indian background in the Bronx. In the Bronx, uh, and in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Amy grew up in, well, kind of a similar With my grandparents, yeah. My grandparents were very, um, were Pentecostal as well. Right. Um, our church specifically was, yeah, not quite as legalistic as yours. Right. Um, with an emphasis on like works and things like that. But yeah, still, it had its legalism right. and just religion, if you will, right. in it. And yeah. and while I grew up in the Bronx in the late eighties, early nineties, where drugs were very easily accessible and there was a lot of drug activity, I somehow managed to stay away from it. Uh <laughs> all the way until I was married. Like I I never <laughs> was around. I mean, like I was mm-hmm. never was around any drugs. Um, and my first introduction <laughs> to Amy's family. <laughs> was, we should say we should say um, a portion of my my extended yeah. family, right? First time you met my extended family because you met my grandpa. My right. grandmother had passed away, so you met my grandpa, my aunt Arlene. Like right. you met like my immediate, but when you met the first first time, I took Ben home for Christmas. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the extended the family extended version. family. Was walking into a garage that like had a five car garage, like a five car garage. Uh, well, because yeah, my uncle fixed yeah, his cars. He fixed He's cars a mechanic, stuff, yeah. so he had all the things. And walking in and seeing two deer strung from chains, uh, dead deer, <laughs> dead deer strung from chains, and these guys are dressing like the deer in three the garage. More, three more laying on the ground. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and in the middle of winter, these guys have like this one tiny heater. They're all standing around this deer carcass to stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're passing around a joint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a true puff, puff, pass moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I walk in completely like, oh, my gosh, seriously. And Ben walks in like. 
yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is the type of family that I want to be associated <laughs> <Yeah>. with. <laughs> like if if anything broke the religious chains yep. off of you and released your yep. that was inner the spirit. That was the moment. It was then, it was then, two years after our wedding, that Ben realized he married into the correct family. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. He was a free man. Yep. Oh my god. It was from that point where I was like, okay, I don't need to be in this religious mold that I've been brought up in. Um, I didn't need to be afraid of my political leanings. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, that side of the family was, like, half Republican, half Democrat. Like, they they all were at each other's necks about politics. But then we all <laughs> sit around the table and eat. Right. And you love each right. other. And that's... And- that's it, cool. That was awesome. Yeah, I yeah. feel like because your family is very much like, here's the mold, and this is how we right. fit in this mold, and right. we don't go outside this right. mold. And if you go outside the mold, you are the one person. Yep. Out, so you are the black sheep right. of the family. Whereas I would say our family, we would talk and say, oh, yeah, we got some black sheep. Like people who just made stupid, who took it next level and just made right. stupid choices in their life. We would say black sheep, of course. You know who you are. Right. Um, no, <laughs> Um But yeah, yeah, I would say for sure you met, definitely met the side of my family where it's everybody's not afraid to be who they are. Like you were saying in the first episode that we did, um, my family's very much like, take me as I am. This is who Mm -hmm. I am. Um, Half, half Christian, half not Christian. Right. But yeah, we love each other and we'll viciously like fight you to the death if you mess with any of them, you know? Right. Um, that's true. I never thought of that. Like it, but I will say we are not saying that like our Christian family is smoking pot. Okay. It was definitely the side that's <laughs> loving Jesus in their hearts, I'm sure. Um, but just being around that atmosphere yeah. of people that were just free and not hiding behind anything. Right. Like there they were, they know we're walking in. They know that we are quote, churchgoers, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't try to hide it. They didn't try to make an excuse for what was going on. They were just like, hey, right. bro, nice to meet you. You know, have you ever cleaned a deer? And just welcomed right. Ben right in and as right. if nothing, nothing um, even happened, you know, like as if you had been around forever. Right. And yeah, it was, freedom. it was, it was then. And also just shortly before that was like, my first time even dabbling in alcohol as well. Uh, when you were in college? So, no, out, like, after I was after you got done out of with college. college yeah. yeah. So, my first time really, really like faux pas. drinking alcohol was probably after I met you. No. No, uh, no because you were going out. Um, yeah. I mean, so you when just you before were, I met yeah, you. Yeah, I was going to say, because yeah. when we were dating and talking, you were like, hey, someone's was getting married. I'm going out for his bachelor party. And you were right. like, whoa, like I literally drank this. He's telling me what he drank. And he's like, but I totally feel fine. This is weird. Right. So I feel like you were just getting into it when, right, right when we were introduced right. and we were chatting, you were talking. Um, and yeah, like getting into that and finding that balance of, like, it's okay to drink. Like, I'm not right. going to hell because I had a drink. Right. But yet, I know well enough that I should not get plastered. Like, right. let's drink but not get plastered. There's right. self-control in everything that you have. Um, whereas I was on the other spectrum where I had grown up around a bunch of psycho alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Not always, but they were definitely in my family. And I saw them completely make fools. And Like, I have vivid memories of cousins 
just busting each other up, blood flinging. And it was for no other reason than they got pissed off at each other and they both mm-hmm. had had way too much to drink, right? right? Yeah. And so I'm like, um, yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. And right. so I was not even open to even trying alcohol. Like I had a couple sips of beer in high school and a couple sips of wine, right. I think. Like never even a glass of wine, a couple sips of wine. And that was it. Um, but for, right, yeah. So when I met Ben, he was just breaking out of that, that legalism of mm-hmm. you shouldn't drink at all. Um, so was that like two year span mm-hmm. uh, between when like before I met you and and when I met your family when I understood what enjoying mm-hmm. life in moderation actually meant yeah that i that i didn't need to be in a mold that i could try things and not overdo it and that was a cool lesson to learn and not right feel like your salvation hinged on a drink you know um whereas when we first met i was still on that <laughs> yeah. I was like, nope. Yep. I was like, I don't mind you going out with friends and having a drink, but I won't touch alcohol. Right. And if we get married, I don't want it in my house. I don't want it anywhere. I remember that near my yep. family or nothing. And he was very accommodating. You were totally fine right. with that. Um and, and the first time we had alcohol in our house was what our, our first six our six month anniversary. Six month you anniversary. made dinner and you yeah. brought home a bottle of wine. And I had, up to that point, I'd only had probably three sips of, well, I take the back. My grandpa used to make us do communion mm-hmm. at home. He would make unleavened bread and he would had these little shot glasses that he put red wine in and we would have to do red wine shots mm-hmm. like for our communion. And that's how I hated wine. And I was, was like, it like burns. actual wine or like? No, it was wine. Not grape bathtub juice. Bathtub wine. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I'm like, did he even know? I don't know. <laughs> like, moonshine. <laughs> yeah. It definitely wasn't moonshine. It was wine, but it could have been like, I don't know, his homemade muscadine wine okay. for all I know about. Right. Um, but yeah, so I had I had a little bit. So Ben made dinner for us for our six month anniversary. And we and cracked open a bottle of white wine. Right. And I was like, oh, this is nice. This is fruity. This is great. And drank half a glass of wine, I think it was, right? right? And we ate dinner and all was well. And then I got, went to get up from the table and wasn't, like, by any means was not gone and wasted. But I just remember going, ooh, I'm a little dizzy. Like, I definitely feel like a little, like, who? And Ben's like, great. (laughs) That was the goal of the night. And that's when I realized (laughs) that I, like, have no tolerance whatsoever, right? right? Yep. Um, but it's, I love that it was in the safety of our home, you know, like, and still being there, um, to where now I love that we've, I love the journey that we both have been on, I guess, in a sense, because now we have, we do have alcohol in our home, um, but it's not overused. And we talk to our kids all the time about, um, self-control and everything. There's self-control in everything you do in your life. Right. Not living completely crazy. Um, and I think just as you're talking, I'm like, that's, I think more than anything is just the story of how we've grown. Yeah. Um, and just breaking away from religion. Right. Um, not throwing biblical principles away to the wind, mm-hmm. but finding 
that balance and relationship in it. Because obviously Jesus turned water into wine. So it's not like he was anti-wine. Um, but I just feel like our culture, uh, the time and era that we grew up in was, it's bad, stay far, far away. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. It's just, no, don't even don't even look at it. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about sex. Don't even talk about sex. Right. Um, whereas then you get curious. You're like, well, why is it such a big deal? Why are you like, you know, trying to mm-hmm. to have us avoid all these things? Um, we grew up in that that culture, I feel like, where it was just like, it's not good. There's nothing good about it. Right. And having Speaking to that, find that we balance. We both came from families that didn't really talk about marriage and the marriage night. How did we navigate that? In your opinion. (laughs) Wow. There it is. Now I'm interviewing you, I guess. Now it's the Ben questions that come out. (laughs) I mean, you did, but you didn't. Like, I just, I grew up in a home where, like, my dad's, my, I grew up with my grandparents. um, And abstinence obviously was an expectation because we were, you know, Christian. and. But my grandparents never went into it. I more so was told the stories of people who didn't and mm-hmm. the problems they faced. So there was a lot of child or teenage pregnancy in my family. Um, so I was more given examples of what not to do mm-hmm. and not what to do, like you right. were saying. Um, and I don't know. I'm just thankful that I didn't get married till I was 28 because I had some incredible mentors at mm-hmm. my internship, um, Lori. Mm-hmm. who was incredible and really dug into the depths of my view of sex and my view of intimacy and was able to pinpoint why I thought of it in such an ugly and nasty way right. and did not think of it as something God created and something beautiful to be right. shared and rejoiced. Like I'll never forget hearing um, one of the speakers at our internship was talking and he said, you know, like him, at, you know, after his marriage night, you know, and they've consummated the marriage, if you will. He was like, we actually had a moment where we just both were like, wow, God, thank you for creating this. Like, this is not only just pleasurable, but just the the emotional and the power that is behind mm-hmm. that coming together, like that connection of two people cannot be witnessed by any, I don't feel like right. it's, it's not obtainable um, by any, in any other means except intercourse, you know, except sex. Um, And I remember just hearing him say, like, he's like, we just, you know, we thanked God, like, and I was like, (laughs) what "What the actual, (laughs) like, ew, what? But that's the thing is that my view of sex was so, yes, (laughs) no. And I just remember thinking, but that's just goes to show you is that my view is so skewed of it that Uh I was like, ew, like, now why am I saying ew to something that God has created? Right. Why am I making fun of this guy for thanking God for what he created, how he created that all to go down? Like, God could have just been like, oh, you can touch her knee and she'll be pregnant. But instead, he made it like all all of the mm-hmm. all of the intricate details that he made it into. He didn't have to go to the great lengths to design it like that. Right. Um, he could have made it so simple and emotionless and and everything, but instead made it to where it's like literally soul bearing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so intimate that you only experience that with one other person and meant to be only experienced with one other person. Um, and that was immediately when she was, she called me out. She was like, you view this as a very nasty, everything about it as gross because of experiences in your life, mm-hmm. but also the way that your family has portrayed it and talked about it and made it out to me, made me face that. 
Right. So had I not had those people in my life who really dug in and made me do the work, we probably would have had a lot more issues, um, <laughs> I think, than we did right. um, because of that. Well, I brought that um, up because we were talking about all the different things that we navigated. Uh, and that was that was one. No, as well, you navigated because, it phenomenally because, because if you listen to the the episodes before this, where where they were interviewing, where John was interviewing me, uh, I ended up telling everybody that I was a whore <laughs> growing <Yeah>. up, <laughs> and so so I came from well a religious background, and then went so far out and experienced all of that outside of marriage mm-hmm. and then here i am married to you you've never experienced any of this and yeah, that no. was an interesting was thing to try to navigate as well yeah 28 year old virgin for right. sure i think i mean one case in point like people are always like oh wow you waited till you're 28 that's awesome good job great for you um, but it say it in like this you know um idolistic way in a sense but not really idolizing but you know what i mean they're just like Wow, that's amazing. And my comeback, my take on it is I think it's even more amazing if you have experienced it and then you refrain from it. Because to have done it and then to say, I'm not going to do this anymore mm-hmm. and I'm going to not do it until I get married, I'm going to save it until I get married, is a much harder route than to have never right. experienced it and wait until you get married. Because I knew a bit of what I was missing, but mm-hmm. I didn't know fully what I was missing right. out on, right? Um, and for me, it became <laughs> just a point where I'm like, okay, listen, I've waited this far. There's no way I'm messing this up. Like, right. now I'm not going to say I waited this far and then whatever. Um, but I always tell other people, I'm like, I'm actually, I mean, God takes all things and makes them beautiful. And I was actually grateful that one of us knew what the hell we were doing that day. <laughs> right. Um, and... One, two, I had heard horror stories of like both of them. Uh, this is not to say it cannot be amazing, but get some good mentors in your life. Like do some right. premarital, mm-hmm. talk through a lot of things. And that that's probably my my good point of all of it is just make sure you have really good adults, older people in your life who you're allowing to pour into you and talk to you and get you to places. Because I heard horror stories of couples who both had never, both were virgins, got married. And the dude comes out of the bathroom with just like a boner and is like, hey, let's go. And the mm-hmm. girl is completely traumatized because like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my gosh, is this what it's like? You know? Right. Um, so I feel like I had some great mentors who spoke to me uh, and made me, helped me to see that this was, this too was something God had created and the world had completely skewed my view of it and that God would, God redeemed that into my heart to where it was actually, by the time I met you and we were about to get married, it was something I looked forward to mm-hmm. versus had you met me early in my 20s, um, I don't even know. Like, I wasn't even open and to the, I just thought everything about it was horrible. Right. And then you were, you were phenomenal. I mean, I don't know. How did you know to be so chill and relaxed and like... I didn't. I was shitting bricks. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to figure out how to make you not think that this was all like some sort of like weird <laughs> ritual. <laughs> Aside from the fact that we went to like the most remote 
cabin in <laughs> oh, Tennessee. Yeah, that's another fun story. <laughs> we went to the most remote cabin and we rented the most remote cabin in Tennessee um, for the first couple in of Nathan nights. In Bedford Forest Park. <laughs> You love to add all the things. I swear. And and people Nathan, in my hometown are going to be like, I know where they did got it Nathan on. Bedford Forest yeah. brought the KKK to, to West, Tennessee. West Tennessee. Yeah. I didn't realize that until Forrest Gump came out. I was yep. like, okay, thank you. That's why my black friends would never come over to my house for a sleepover <laughs> or never even come yep. down to the, to, the, to the beach, to the lake where we swam. They never would come down there. It was because they were like, we are I surrounded by shot. Confederate flags. <laughs> Yep, and I brought a very dark South Indian <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> into into Eva, Tennessee, and consummated my marriage with him <laughs> up on a hill. <laughs> up yours, Confederates. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, up on a hill in the middle of Nathan Bedford Forest State Park. It was great. Nice. But yeah, no, you were phenomenal that night. Like, it could have so, been it could have been. So way what crazier. would you tell dudes that are trying to navigate life uh trying to figure out okay i'm i'm dating this girl i've already done all of it like am i now i don't know tainted or like how can how can they make their like, marriage experience mm -hmm. well i think better i mean if we're being honest is just what you had said that night well from the get go for me i um, well, you and I didn't even kiss until we got married, like on the lips. Right. And that was more of me. And people also want to be like, wow. But we only dated for, we dated long distance. Like we started our relationship long distance. And then we only lived near each other slash were engaged for like mm -hmm. five and a half months. Um, you were 30. I was 28. So we knew what we were getting ourselves into. You know, it wasn't whatever. Um, I say that to say don't try to have a long engagement. <laughs> like, mm. you know, one, two, um, for me, I laid the groundwork for you. I was like, listen, you were only my maybe third real boyfriend, like mm -hmm. someone who had potential that I was like actually interested in. Right. You know, you have like all your little crushes and, and whatnot. Um, but I only had like one serious boyfriend in high school, one semi-serious, and then it was you. Um, so for me, I, I was straight up with you. I was like, listen, I don't want to kiss you until we get married because I have saved myself this long. Um, and if I kiss you, I don't know that I have the ability to stop mm -hmm. and I want to cross the finish line. Right. So I feel like for girls, it's be upfront. Um, and if it's a dude in that situation, ask her mm. upfront Right. If it's someone who's saying, no, I'm going to be celibate till I get married and you've already screwed up. One, make sure that you're ready to wait until you get married. Mm -hmm. um, don't go pushing buttons on someone who's trying to stay focused on their goals in life, you know, and the convictions of their heart. Mm -hmm. Respect that. Like that respect goes a long way. So the fact that I told you I didn't even want to kiss you on the mouth until we were married had nothing to do with what other people thought and living up to the standards of someone else. It had right. everything of me knowing myself and going, I don't think that I could do that and not go further. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I could, maybe I couldn't, but I don't want to play with it. So I'm not going to do that. 
And you were you were cool with that. We kissed on the cheek. We kissed right. these foreheads. Like then you kissed my neck one day when we were <laughs> hugging, and I was like, oh, okay, we're not gonna be able to do that. Like that's gonna be a right. no. But I would say don't be afraid to approach a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't think it's the same to you. I feel like I would tell you all the time you hated it, but because it was so gay sounding. I mean, can I say gay sounding? I'm sorry, sure. people get weird, but. <laughs> It was so like, that's our old 90s saying, right? Okay. It mm-hmm. just sounded so fruity. I would always like, I'm like, you're you're a diamond in the rough. And you're like, uh, yeah, don't say that. That feels weird. Ooh, fluffy. <laughs> um, but that was the thing is that you were like, well, I've done all these things. I'm like, but I don't care because I, I saw the heart of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't deter me away because I saw the heart of you. Like no matter what you told me about your past, right? Um, and that was the thing is from the get-go, we're like, we will be raw and honest with each other. We will say, um, we will just be honest, even if it hurts. And even if there's a chance that it might cause the other person mm-hmm. to back away, we're just going to be honest and say it. Right. And for me, I needed that from you just because if I'm going to trust you as a person and know you as a person, then I need to know that your yes is yes and your no is no. Like, I need you to not, you know. Don't be shitting me. Like, just mm-hmm. keep it real. Tell me exactly what it is. Right. Um, and I think that goes a long way. So one is if you've screwed up, like, don't knock yourself out of the running um, for a girl who has mm-hmm. saved herself. Like, don't think that you don't deserve that. Or you, right. I don't know, whatever the lies of the enemy or society would tell you, if people still worry about that stuff now. But I guess if you're a Christian person, t- people tend to worry about that. Um, and I would say stop. Like, stop beating yourself up. Don't let those things keep you from pursuing a girl. Um, but know your weaknesses, know your, your place, know what caused you to screw up in the first place, right? Or right. caused you to fall and do whatever you did and stay far away from it. Don't play with it. Don't, don't shoot around. Don't go mm-hmm. put yourself in a dark room in a car with her, you know, like, or right. like, um, and just, and stick with it, but don't feel like you can't pursue a girl just because of that. You should also share about some of the things where while we were navigating marriage and life and family, things that I didn't do right or things that I did wrong that you corrected me on uh, and things where I corrected you on in terms of like how we could better accommodate each other. Hmm. I don't know. You have to give me an example. (laughs) I'm like, how have I corrected you? Well, I mean, you you could use those as examples or, you know, in in talking about how you can navigate situations in a relationship where you don't agree on something and you have to kind of explain yourself to the other person. Why don't you go first and then I have an example. (laughs) Exactly. Um... I mean, I feel like it's so broad that I would need, like, a specific area. Um, I mean, we could talk about love languages. Well, okay. Or, like, what you were thinking. Well, one of the first things that I had to be taught, and, like, this just comes up because it was, like, our first fight Mm -hmm. ever, was where I put the watermelon in the in the refrigerator. <laughs> I don't right? even remember like, that. It was it was such a silly thing, but like I <laughs> I don't think you can. Like I've this right? is, but I that was like, something that you corrected me on. I was like, okay, well, 
Cool. Oh I gosh. did not I like, know this, but now I know. And, you know. Well, I just remember the first couple of years of marriage. I was like, OK, no matter what, our children will live in a dorm. Mm-hmm. They will go to college, college and they will live in a dorm because I feel like most of the stuff we tackled is because you never shared space never with did. anyone. Right. You shared space with your mom and dad because right. you stayed at home right. until you got married, um, which was great. I mean, you helped your parents. It was phenomenal. But you never had the experience of living with someone outside of your mom and dad right. and having to adjust to living with them. Whereas I left home and I had had like probably 10 to 12 roommates since I left home. Um, and you just get used to it. I think when you mm-hmm. share space with someone, you easily get used to, okay, this is the way they are or this is that. Right. And you, it slowly becomes water off a duck's back. Um, but I think when I first met you, probably my biggest pet fee and still to this day is when I lived in the dorms, people leaving water around the sink. Because I'm like, I don't know if that's like mm-hmm. your snot or your spit or whatever. Right. Um, but you didn't have that problem. But it makes me laugh that you talked about the watermelon. Because <laughs> I don't even <laughs> remember the watermelon story. But I remember you reaming me for stepping out of the out of the shower onto oh, the yeah. mat. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's another example. And you were yeah. like, do you dry your feet off when you get out of the shower? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I dry my body off and I get in the, I dry my body off in the shower because we had a stand-up shower. Um, And then I step out onto the mat, dry, and I put my hair in a towel. Like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) You're like, but do you dry off your foot and step out and then lift the other leg and dry it off and then step (laughs) out? And I was like, then what? the hell is the mat for like (laughs) you just put a mat outside your shower for looks (laughs) like it's meant to catch water off your feet when you get out of the shower and you were so pissed that the mat was like damp when you went in to take a shower I was soaking wet my ass yeah damp when he got out of the shower um I remember him reaming you were reaming me for that and so that's why we always tell people like couples that are just getting together like listen this was my grandfather's advice that he gave me though before we even got married, after he had met you and you guys went back to New York, um, they came out to Tennessee to, to visit my family. Um, and my grandfather said, the greatest problems that the two of you are going to have is that you're both older mm-hmm. and you're both set in your ways. Right. So the biggest arguments and disagreements you're going to have is on how you live day to day life, like right. how you do things. And it's just the little things where you're setting your ways in. And it's so true. Like our arguments were mm-hmm. that where I'm like, don't put the watermelon on this shelf where it blocks the light from the entire fridge. You can't right. see what the was in the fridge because the watermelon is blocking everything is probably right. what it was. Um, and you were like, dry your foot off and then get out on the mat, which still made no sense to me. I'm like, what the, what, what is yeah, the mat I don't want to walk into the bathroom what and step on mat? a wet mat. But what is the mat for? Then I'm like, then it's just for looks. Dry your feet off and don't spend money on a mat. Just let it be. Um, but yeah, I, I guess little things like that. I, that's that stuff. I feel like you're just gonna have to get married and mm-hmm. and learn. And one, and then two, just realize that those are not breaking points. Right. Like it's gonna feel like it's right. huge because it's like the first arguments that you have when you get married and you start going, oh my god, what did I get myself into? Like, oh my god, who am I living with? Oh my gosh, what is that? Right. You know all this stuff that. I think now our culture says, let's all live together and figure that out before we get married, which is just bass backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just need to suck it up and get married and realize that you're two completely different individuals. God right. created you that way. And I think that's probably the big light 
for the both of us to come on is for you to realize that I am not you. And for me to realize you are not me. Like we do life completely different. And that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Knowing that God created us that way. And that if we were the exact same person, our life would be so ridiculously dull. Like it would just be so dull. If I didn't have you dropping some smart ass comment every now and then (laughs) or some sassy nonsense every now and then life would be so dull Mm -hmm. um if you didn't have me pushing you to do psycho crazy wild things like take road trips and go to other countries and climb mountains and (laughs) stuff like that then your life would suck you know and that's why we got married is because we weren't the same so when you're getting married is realizing you're not going to be the same person yeah and God created you not to be the same right. person and your life would suck if you were the same person. And then just get over it and suck it up and stay married. Like, mm-hmm. don't let a watermelon or a mat, <laughs> you know, take you out from the get-go. Because right. literally that is the smallest issues that you're going to face. Oh, yeah. Wait till you yep. have kids and then you go, ah. Right. But I think we could land the plane on the fact of that we, even though we come from two different cultures, lots of different things, our foundation was the same. Our foundation was right. 100% built on Christ. Right. Not religion, not the churches we grew up in. We both had our own relationship with God, with Christ at that point. So how would someone that did not have that be able to navigate through all of this? Good successfully? luck. <laughs> oh, there's got to be a way. <laughs> That's my theory. That's what stories dig into it. Um, I mean, honestly, uh, I... I can't say I don't know because it just sounds so brain dead, you know. Um, I I think you just, well, I mean, who you marry, your belief systems and the way you do life has to mm-hmm. be the same. That That's probably the way it so is. So your core values. Your core values and who you are, mm-hmm. the way you, the way, like the reason you live life. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the core values of your life have to line up. So that's a, that's a real good place. So yeah. purpose. So, yeah, to have purpose, but be be shooting for the same thing, right? Okay. So for us, no matter how much our cultures were different, our personalities are completely different. Right. We had the same core values, right? Mm-hmm. We wanted to raise strong kids. We wanted to raise good kids. We wanted to replenish the earth with good people, not jack wagons, you know, right. that are disruptive. Um, things like that. Like we I'm wanted still to ready do to good. The earth. <laughs> oh my gosh, father. <laughs> Uh, we wanted to put back and give good and good things <laughs> to the world we live in. Um, we share that in common, right. and so don't try to link up with someone who doesn't share those those core values. I would say because the rest things like mats and where to put stuff in the fridge is is mm-hmm. minor. Make sure that the core of who you are, like how you do life, why you do life, the way you do life, right. um, matches. Um, and don't pursue anybody that it doesn't. You know. Yes. Hopefully that's some helpful information on our second go around at this. (laughs) We'll see if John lets us come back again. We're probably fired. We're probably fired after all of your crossness. But I think that's that's a wrap for episode sixty three. Uh yeah. Go uh like us on Spotify, uh share us on all the different platforms and we'd love to get feedback from you guys. Uh, if you learned anything, if you did not learn anything, if there's more you want to learn about about mm. us and how we somewhat navigate our lives. <laughs> it's totally true. If there's yeah. something we didn't quite clarify, yeah. let us know. Um, tell John that we're the best. That'd be great. 
<laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out. <laughs>